Welcome to the What's In My Head podcast. I'm your host, Julian, and thanks for checking out the audio format of our show. If you want to watch these episodes, check us out on YouTube. Just type in youtube.com slash what's in my head podcast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as I bring you a piece of your childhood each and every week. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button here as well as on YouTube. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms. That's where I'll ask you, the fans, to drop a question or two for our upcoming guests. You can find us on social media by searching at In My Head Pod. If you're digging the content, leave us a rating and review as that helps us and other fans of pop culture find us. Enjoy the show. All right, boys and girls, today, David Feist, creator of Cow and Chicken on this t-shirt, one of the greatest shows ever made for Cartoon Network. David, how are you, sir? I'm doing really well. So when I reached out to, to, I think it was your agent at the first time, I never thought that one, we'd connect, and two, I'd be able to talk to one of the guys that made me laugh more with a cartoon about a fictitious cow and a chicken and a red guy and parents that were just legs, waist, and feet. I mean, <laughs> we'll, we'll go pretty in-depth, I hope, uh, with cow and chicken, but how did this idea come about? Okay, well, it, it actually did start as a bedtime story of my daughter, who was six at the time. I used to read to her every night, and there was one night I was tired, and I didn't want to even turn on the light. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I came up with the story of cow and chicken. Yeah, I told her the story. There was like, it wasn't a, a brother and sister at the time. It was just the story of cow and chicken. She liked it. The next morning, I actually drew it out. I thought, yeah, it's kind of fun. So I, I drew it out, and that, that was the genesis of it. And then I, so I did, I drew it out like as a uh, children's book, but never published. But within a few weeks after telling her the story, I'd gotten, because of my contact with Hannah Barbera, I got, I'd gotten a call saying that, the, that this new network, Cartoon Network was looking for new ideas. And I had this new idea. So I met with the, uh, the recruiter or the, uh, the development person actually at the Cartoon Network, uh, met at a coffee shop and I had, the, this, these uh, sketches for a cow and chicken story. And she really liked it. And she said, that, I think we, we like this. So I developed it later into a, 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 as, a as a story for, a, a, for, for Cartoon Network. I changed it to the brother and sister. You know, they live in a house with a mom and dad. And I made the joke of, you know, them not having tops. Basically, that came from old Warner Brother cartoons. You know, you'd, sometimes you see Tom and Jerry, or, or you know, yeah. you, you never saw the parents, you never saw the adults, only legs. But my joke was they didn't have tops. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a fantastic. I like the little nod, and uh, you know, you said, you know, when I go and research you guys, I try to watch any interviews you guys might have had, read anything. Um, Google and Wikipedia is fantastic, as well as YouTube. I mean, it makes. Uh, things so much easier than it used to be and one of the things I read was your first like real big gig was working for Hanna-Barbera right out of high school that's true yeah I, w- I was 19 um I was yeah hired at 19 I mean what before we even go down that road what was your favorite cartoon from that Hanna-Barbera run or from Cartoon Network you know it's an illustrious career uh for Hanna-Barbera I guess it would I mean, I, I liked Huckleberry Hound. Mm. You know, I, I liked the entire, I liked everything. I was a big Flintstone fan, big oh, yeah. Jetsons fan. And it wasn't like I sought out Hannah Barbera because I was a fan. It was just like, it was through circumstances. You know, I wanted to be an animator. Yeah, I'd been making eight millimeter films, you know, as a teenager. So my idea was to go to Los Angeles and work at a studio. So I, uh, 
but it, I just had an opportunity through a contact that uh, to have an interview at Hanna-Barbera. So I came down with my eight millimeter projector to project. I didn't know how it was done. I didn't know about portfolios. <laughs> so literally I went in with this old projector. This, this, it wasn't old then, it was but this projector and I projected my movie against the wall at, at Hanna-Barbera. And um, they, they ended up hiring me from that. I got did very they, lucky. Did they, did they like the fact that you were, you had already, it wasn't just a, 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 a portfolio or collages these days, everybody just emails pictures. Were they yeah. impressed when you brought your projector and put it on the wall and was showing them shit? Or were they just like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, you know, that's, a, I don't know. I mean, to me, it would be like, this is kind of weird, you know, it's like, <laughs> but I didn't know that I thought that was the way you did it. And at the time there was no video cassettes. You couldn't just pop a cassette in, you know, so I didn't know any other way. And it was my, at that time, it was my first sound movie too. I, I, I animated uh, Maxwell Silver Hammer from the Beatles. Yeah. So I just, I, I, you know, put pictures to that song. So I'd figured out how to, how to, you know, Cut, you know, break the music down and, and animated this thing. So I think it, it was just circumstances. Like they, 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 they saw somebody that was young and, 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 you know, like really eager. And they also had a position for me. There was like, you'd fit right into this, you know, working with this, uh, this, this guy. It was a guy named Ken Mundy. And uh, I worked with him directly. He was like my mentor. He was this uh, older guy. And, uh, um, yeah, it was like it was like a perfect school for me. Yeah. It worked out really well. Yeah, I, I mean, it, when it started out as a, a as a story because you didn't want to, you know, get up, get another book, yes. title, you know, what have you. Um, with that first story, do you was it just cow and chicken, or did you have any of those those uh, supporting characters, those supporting roles built into that story for your daughter? It was just cow and chicken, and just cow were, and chicken. Yeah. Yeah, and I actually I was looking at I, in my I have the original book that I did like uh, the pages like if you're interested I could show it to you too. Oh, hundred percent. So, whenever, whenever you'd like to. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to do it right now? Uh, surprise me. It's up to you, man. You're the okay. You're I mean, the open this up. Yeah, because I have this uh, some JPEGs. All right, let me share my screen. Oh, I'm disabled from sharing. Hold on one second. There we go. Should be able to do it now. I hope. You see it? <laughs> oh yeah, that is fantastic. Okay, that's it. That was it. That was actually the first drawing. Like the next morning, I, I got up and drew that. Uh, so they kind, you know, they do look like what they ended up looking like mm -hmm. quite a bit. Um, no, to tell you the truth, that this is not what I do the next morning. This this is my development time. So I, I do have the book. This is just some development stuff I did once the Cartoon Network Hanna Barbera had decided they wanted they were interested in my my uh, my you know cow and chicken. Mm -hmm. It's some development, you know, milking herself. This ended up in the pilot too. I don't know if you ever saw the pilot. I, I, anything that they put out, I, I, I watched. Uh, it's been some time. I went back over this past weekend and watched a, a couple of my favorite episodes. Yeah, uh, yeah. These are all sketches from the pilot that ended ended up in the pilot. That is fantastic. Um, I'm going to get with you after, uh, and then if if you wouldn't mind sending those over, I'd love to put them on there uh, to go Absolutely. along with this episode. 
because I'm sure there's fans just out there like me that would love to see this stuff. I, I love it when you guys bring on stuff that that started the whole movement or started, you know, essentially what we're talking about now is fantastic. Okay, well, that's see that you see that image there. That was what I drew the next morning. So they were very kind of a simplistic version of cow and chicken. So uh, you can kick back on anything uh, as far as because I was watching the episode earlier where uh, cow gets her first job at a milking factory. <laughs> and then one of my favorite lines there, and I'll, I'll bring up another line for a different show. And I just looking back on it now, I was like, holy shit, how did I not hear this? Um, when he's like, hey, would you like to go in there and give me a sandwich? She's like, I would love to squirt for you. <laughs> um, is, there, is there any any like kickback as far as the character designs? I mean, cows walking around with an ass out. I mean, <laughs> I got to imagine there might have been some some head shaking at least. Well, I mean, not really with cow. I mean, there was a little bit. Of, uh, I, I couldn't use the word teats because you know, cow. It's an udder with teats, yeah. right? They said you can't say teats, so it was always her udders. And um, uh, mostly it was with the red guy. You know, yeah. be careful, like, don't, don't put, you know, the butt right straight in camera. <laughs> well, like, I mean, the guy's like, that was his character. That, that is his character walking on his butt. And, you know, it's always, that was prominent at all times. How did that come about his, cause that was, that's one thing I never saw before. And I haven't really seen since, I don't know if you've got the market cornered on ass walking. Um, but nobody's really, I mean, what, what the hell was that about? I think that's fantastic fascinating for one and funny as hell is for two. It's just it kind of suggested itself by seeing the care, you know, by developing that character and that, and then he, uh, you know, he didn't have any pants on. And, and by the way, too, that little part, when I, when I started developing after I wrote this little book and then the, the cartoon Except network said they were, you know, they were, they wanted to do a story. I realized it was like a little bit too uh, young Mm -hmm. So I, I, and I, it didn't feel like it had much legs. And that's why I, I, I changed it to the dynamic of being brother and sister. I thought it was a better dynamic. And then I, I, I did the whole opening to the story, which is in the pilot. And there was something missing. And it was this other character, this red guy. And mm -hmm. I did, I, I dreamed of that character. I actually, I woke up in the middle of the night with the character, you know, the devil, the devil character saying, hello, I'm, it's, it's me, the devil, I stand for all that is bad, also I'm naked. Uh, <laughs> that line, and, and that line, uh, the, the, the actor Charlie Adler, who did all the voices for yeah. Cowan's Chicken, who, who was actually the most important figure, I think, in this series, um, when he did his audition, he, he did that line, and that's the line I used in the pilot. I, I couldn't quite recreate the power of that delivery of hello it's me the devil you know that the way he said it was just so perfect but it, yeah it started as a dream that part did you have a specific voice on how you wanted all these guys to sound or did you have any part in selecting charlie i did have a yeah i i i was there for the auditions and, and many many people auditioned and it was never even thought that there would be one guy doing everything it was like we were, we were people doing cow we had people doing chicken and uh and people doing the red guy. But when Charlie came in, Charlie auditioned for all of them. And he did them in order. I mean, he, like, he, could, he could do cow talking to chicken. It was like, this guy was amazing. So I, once the auditions came in, there were, I don't know, maybe 75 people. It's possible. Mm -hmm. I, I, I told him, I said, this one guy is the best for all of these characters. 
And there was a little pushback when I said, well, yeah, but Mel Blanc did all of Warner Brother cartoons and everybody kind of agreed, yeah, well, I guess that's true. And so we went with Charlie for all the characters. Now, did you have any, uh, I had talked to Fred Seibert not too long ago, last week. Um, what was, he? and he, obviously we talked about Cow and Chick and Dexter's Lab. Um, Ed and Eddie came a little bit later, but Johnny Bravo, you know, all those, all those yeah. heavy hitters. Um, yeah. Did you know any of those guys beforehand? And what was that meeting like with uh, Fred? Um, did I know any of the other creators? Uh, yeah. I did. I actually, I had worked early on in my career with Danny Antonucci in Toronto. I was working in Toronto at a, uh, at a studio and he had just gotten out of college. And so we worked together. But that, that, I, that was the only time I ever worked with him. So I knew him. And then later on, I became friends with Van, Van Partible and Gindy. I know Gindy, yeah. and we were all we were all friendly, but I didn't know them before. Hmm. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, drop the screen back to, to where it was. Um, oh. I'm, yeah, I, I'm gonna get with you, and uh, um, right after right after this, I'll, I'll get with you and uh, see if you couldn't send those pictures up because, like I said, Absolutely. a lot of those fans would love to see it. Absolutely. So, how do I stop? Oh, stop sharing. Sorry. There we are. Beautiful. There we are. Now we're back. Um, but uh, yeah, so working working with uh, with Fred, did he have, you know, he was very adamant in saying that he let you guys be the animators. He let you guys do what you want to say and the stories you want to say, which is relatively unheard of in any real um, industry these days. Everybody's got to have their spin. Everybody's got to have their notes, if you will. Um, what was what was that process like? Was it very hands off or? No, that was all true. Fred, Fred's terrific, by the way. Yeah. And I think the, we all were able to, to do what we did. It was because of Fred. He, he, he really did have our backs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's, he's awesome. There's nothing yeah. but praise for Fred Seibert. Yeah, he, he was a fantastic. Like I, We had to cut it a little bit short, um, but he's going to come back on because there's no way that I could just talk to him for all that he's done and one little hour, just just little stories that he was telling. I was like, "Holy shit, man!" I'm writing stuff down. I was like, "I got to bring this back up, and bring this back up." I mean, it was it was just fantastic. Um, and when I read when I was reading over on your on your uh, resume or your portfolio, if you will, yeah. uh, it said you directed every single episode um, of this series. What was what was that like? I mean, you went from directing on your eight millimeter and showing them what you could do, and then they gave you a whole bunch of money to tell your story. Well, there was a 15-year gap between when I started at Hanna Barbera as a 19-year-old mm -hmm. to when I started, uh, you know, when I did the pilot of Cow and Chicken. So I was like, I'd been working as an animator for, yeah. for 15 years. So, so th th yeah, there was, I had more experience than just being a 19-year-old, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it was directing every episode, basically, I mean, by directing, it's like you're well, you're, you're voice directing. You're, you're directing each episode that way. You have animation timing directors you work with. They're the ones that actually do the exposure sheets and 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 break the, the scenes down. And, and action takes this much time to 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 you know like to lift the arm or whatever. Uh, but you know I'm it's it was it's on hands on in every episode as a director in animation. Like you're 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 looking at every facet. You know all the storyboards come through. Uh, I would have a mini storyboard artist that we we worked with, and um, uh, you know my process would be I would look at them. Sometimes the, the drawings would suggest an, another idea, and I would just quickly draw them out. Um, there were no scripts with Cow and Chicken. It was one of those um, really 
a board driven show. We did our scripts were actually little outlines, mm-hmm. three pages at max, usually one and a half, two pages. They were really like just, you know, there were some suggestions for dialogue, um, yeah. but more or less it was like a, a rough structure, what happens. And then it was up to the board artist to, to flesh that out. And then once it came back to me, then I would solidify it into, into the way that I felt like uh, it was flowing to try to make it as funny as possible. And then we went into record, you know, a script was made from that storyboard and then we recorded from that. Now, was any of this ad-libbed? Like, I'm, I'm obviously, there got to be some stuff in there that's ad-libbed, so I don't, don't mean to sit here and generalize was anything ad-libbed. But was was that encouraged with with uh, with, with Mr. Adler? You just, hey, man, do whatever you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Charlie is a brilliant ad-libber. He's uh, one of the funniest guys I've ever met and completely comfortable behind the microphone and he's a, he's a master that he can he can do he can do almost anything and many times it was just yeah, him flowing him just like he has the idea but man he just he would just go off and uh, some of the best stuff came from that before you heard charlie's voice as cow chicken and everybody in the show um what were the voices as a comic book guy i always hear specific voices whenever i read whatever comic i'm reading you know and i always pick it from a movie or a tv show you know as as kevin conroy's batman is always my batman mark hamill has always been my joker um, <laughs> but what were some of the voices before you heard charlie go off and just blow you guys' mind with these three four five hundred characters at this point um did you have a specific voice in your head no i didn't it was it was like it was it was wide open. It, you know, it was Charlie just came out and just like once he's once he did the voices, because mm-hmm. he he went right to it. Like he didn't like he didn't like play around with chicken. It was just like he just did chicken. You know, he was doing that kind of a voice. And I I go that's that's insane. That's perfect. And and, and then when Cow was this massive six foot character with, with this little tiny compressed voice, it was like the contrast was great. I you know I I, I couldn't have. I couldn't have imagined that that type of dynamic and it only came from his brilliance. What, what experiences were you, because you always hear people either take uh, what they've experienced in life and they try to put it into their art, you know, art imitates life. Mm -hmm. Um, What were some of those, did you have any stories that you really wanted to tell from your past that you wanted to put in an episode or does anything come to mind? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the episodes were based on things that, that I remembered as a kid or, they were happening with my kids at the time. Um, and then sometimes it was just, you know, random things from headlines of stories or whatever. But one of them, you know, like the, the, the cow and chicken in the first season, that it's the, the girl's bathroom, breaking into the girl's yeah. bathroom. <laughs> and you're a kid, you know, and you're like 10 years old, 11. That was a big deal. You know, you don't go into the girl's bathroom and like what's in there. And so that that was based on being a kid and remembering that. And I, I there was an episode where cow ends up with glasses and, and chicken wants to get glasses too. And, and I did that when I was a kid, I, I thought, you know, I want, I, I faked, I fudged the test so yeah. I could get glasses. You know, I think it's not uncommon. I think a lot of kids do that. But, uh, yeah. I mean, everybody wants to, cause with a lot of glasses, like I'm lucky right now, I'm pretty sure. And 10, my, my eyesight's already starting to really go, but I'm pretty yeah. sure I'm gonna need them eventually. Um, but I knew when I was younger, my little sister had glasses and uh, she was always the smart one out of all of us. So That's I, was like, it. I need glasses because it'll make me seem smarter. Um, maybe I'll get better grades, but you know, I just it didn't happen. So <laughs> still got yeah. bad grades. 
but well, you know, that, was, that, that was the uh, the genesis of that story because Cal suddenly was smart. You know, she had her glasses and she was actually talking more intelligently. And Chicken was kind of jealous of that. When uh, with with Super Cow, right? We're talking Chicken or Cow here, excuse me. We're talking Super Cow, right? What was the idea to have her like Telemundo just jumping off the screen? And just going for super cow. What was what was that theory? You mean that she that she spoke Spanish? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, actually, that was that was a suggestion from my, my wife at the time. She mm-hmm. she spoke Spanish, and she okay. suggested, "Why doesn't she speak Spanish?" And I thought it's funny that it she only speaks Spanish when she's super cow. It makes no sense either because she doesn't speak Spanish as a cow, but as super cow, suddenly she does speak Spanish. I always yeah. thought it was fun. So whenever she'd jump off or jump in. Uh-huh. Uh, Saving, saving chicken from the chicken farm. Yeah, exactly. Rescue. So uh, how old were your kids when this cartoon came out? Six and ten. Well, when it came out, it, well, it came out in 97. So, but the pilot I, I recorded or I did in 95, 94, 95. So my daughter was six at the time. So my son would have been 10. So uh, how, did, how did they take it? Oh, well, they loved it. They were big fans. You know, and my daughter, uh, I remember going into her class, like up in Northern California, where we lived at the time when Cow and Chicken was out. And, and I would come to her class and talk to the kids and everybody who watched it. Because at the time, there wasn't a lot of, you know, different, uh, 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 you know, other networks showing cartoons. Like most people would watch Cartoon Network. Yeah. So it was, she was really happy that, you know, that, that her dad was involved with this. Did, uh, so when I talked to, shit, I can't, I can't remember who it was now. Um, damn, I had, a, I had a thought there, but I, I lost, I should have written it down. I knew it, I knew I was gonna forget, but it is what it is. Um, when all these shows were coming out, did any of your kids, um, the two that you had, uh, did they like any of the other ones better or were they a Nickelodeon cartoon network? Cause a lot of people either have one or the other, very rarely do they go both. Were they strictly cartoon network kids or. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm trying to remember. I, 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 I mean, they were cartoon fans like, like in most kids, but, mm-hmm. but because I, you know, on their dad, they, they knew Cal and chicken that that was, and I brought them to recordings too. So they were like involved with the, with the process. Like uh, they, they, they knew Charlie yeah. to Charlie's house, you know, like, so th- they, they felt like really personally involved with the series. Well, that's cool. I mean, it, it all stemmed out of, you know, getting your daughter to go to sleep, man. Right. I mean, that's right. It just goes to show you a, a, a billion dollar idea, a million dollar idea, whatever you want to call it will come from damn near anywhere. Um, yeah. You know, and then it spins out. I am weasel and I are baboon. Um, yeah. Which one were you more surprised with, with like just the popularity? Was it the cow and chicken, the initial, or were you just, you know, not dumbfounded, but were you like shocked that there was such a big push for I am weasel and I are baboon? Yeah, I, it was because it was an afterthought. Because when I did the pilot and, and they tested the pilot, you know, and they said, yes, we want to do a series, but we want it to be like two cow and chickens and another show. Yeah. to put in the middle, like a middle cartoon. And uh, they said, do you have any other ideas? And so I... Th- um, I said, when drawing, I actually have the, the drawing. Let me get it from, from the oh, yeah. towers. 
did this drawing. This is the original drawing. I don't know if you can see that. Oh yeah, that's fantastic. Okay, that that was it. That was the first drawing. Mm. Uh, I just did this character, and I thought of like going against type for a weasel. Like he's not weaselly, he's heroic. Yeah. And the title yeah. "I Am Weasel" comes from one of my favorite authors at the time. It was a Richard Matheson uh, who wrote "I Am Legend." So that's what I was thinking. I am legend. I am weasel. And uh, so that one drawing spawned the idea. Okay. What, and then the idea of bringing IR baboon was, um, you know, having a, a foe, you know, so I, so I have like the monkey and the weasel from the song and, uh, and then make baboon is this guy who's not intellectually able to spar with weasel. Yeah. And, and, and again, weasels were like, you know, in, in most cartoons and most in our culture is like they're sneaky and conniving. Yeah. I mean, this guy's the exact opposite. Yeah. So that's that's how that started. Now, which one? And it was a surprise. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, and it was a surprise that 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 it, it you know, that it became popular yeah. because it did spin off into its own series, too. Yes. Um, and it's going to, it's going to sound like I'm asking you, which one's your favorite kid. And, uh, most of the time, whenever there's a couple cartoons like this or a couple things that people have worked on, they either don't pick or they deflect. Um, so you can do both. It's, it's consistent, you know, with the podcast. Um, but which one gave you, yeah. or which one more had more creative freedom or which one did you feel like, man, you left it all out there, you know, artistically, was it cow and chicken or was it I am weasel? That's cow and chicken. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Yeah. I, I, the dynamic I liked, I thought it was sweeter. I liked that, you know, the, 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 you know, at the, the depths of their, of their relationship, they did love each other, mm -hmm. even though it was silly and, you know, there was like a lot of animosity, but they, I think that that, that part of it, I really resonated with. Yeah. Yeah. There is, there is a lot of you know part. I mean? It's always crazy. You know, you guys come up, with these ideas and then you know then they get animated and essentially they're two-dimensional but with you guys's passion you guys's heart you guys is wanting to say something or come across and just put your word or put your spin on something out there you guys really make two-dimensional characters seem 3d and it, it makes it so easy for us fans and me as a kid i absolutely love this this cartoon and coming up as an adult i like being able to go back and watch the same thing i watched and then picking up things that went way over my head as a little 10 year old man. It's fantastic. Yeah. And it just goes to show you that it's, it's the test of time. This thing holds up. Um, and with everything kind of coming back, you know, everything retro is in vogue these days. Um, and they've done a whole bunch of stuff from Nickelodeon from like Invader Zim and Rocco's Modern Life got a, you know, um, a reboot, if you will, on Netflix, not too long ago and Hey Arnold as well. Um, have, has anybody at Cartoon Network kind of tried to bring you guys back in to revisit Cow and Chicken? No, I have not heard. I mean, I'd be I'd be interested in it. You know, I, uh, I'm still really close with Charlie. Mm -hmm. uh, he still does the voice beautifully and wonderfully. Like, yeah, it would be kind of fun to to revisit this because yeah, I still have more stories. I mean, what what would be that? What could we do as fans? Um, other than I'd I'd write my damn senator every single day if I had to. <laughs> if I knew he would do something. Um, just to bring back, like I said, there's nothing that makes me feel more like a kid than going back and watching a show like Cow and Chicken or Johnny Bravo, Eddie and Eddie, what have you. It, 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 you get transported back in time. I, I remember where I was when I saw this episode. I remember where I was when I heard this. 
You know, it's the same thing with food. You smell something, you're instantly transported back to mom's kitchen or granny's kitchen or anything like that. I mean, what, what would it take? Do you think, I mean, is it just a bunch of us knocking on doors or, you know, what do you think would help? I, I would, I, I don't think that would hurt. I think that would be, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'd be awesome. I'd, I'd be totally open to it. Well, I've got my notepad right here. I'm going to write <laughs> it down. Okay. Call Cartoon Network. <laughs> so I don't know if it'll work, but um, so one thing I was really interested in, because you brought up the Flintstones, but you started working on the revival of the Jetsons, the Jetsons movie. Um, yeah, yeah. What was better for you, Flintstones or Jetsons? Which uh, one do you like more, I guess, is what I'm asking. What I like more, you know, I, uh, the Flintstones. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Flintstones got myself. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that was my earliest memories as a kid. I mean, the Flintstones came out in 1960, I guess, but I was, you know, I was one. So I, um, but I grew up, you know, that was just, they're, they are very familiar characters. They're like, you know, like, like family members, you know, like I knew them that well. So to have the opportunity to work on a show like that, even, even though it's another iteration of it, it was still, it was, it was, it was an honor to be able to draw these characters. What was your first, because I, I read up on you and then they were saying that Rocky and Bullwinkle was huge for you. It was, was it yeah. your, your biggest inspiration? Is it safe to say, or? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, just for like the, the, the snappiness of humor. Right? As a kid, I mean, again, like you said, a lot of things went right over my head. For the most part though, is like, you know, you're, I, really, I really dug that, that, that fast, talking back and forth and, and, and how ridiculous the stories were. That's yeah. And it was a, it was fucking flying squirrel and a moose. I mean, it is, it was one of those ones because a lot of this stuff I came on to with the exception of, you know, that Renaissance boom with the cartoons that you were a part of and you helped usher in. Um, you know, I saw a lot of the Flintstones, obviously, you know, in rerun or back when they put them on cartoon network. Sure. Um, and the same thing with Rocky and Bullwinkle. I absolutely loved that cartoon. Um, and it was, it was crazy to see just how far, I guess, cartoons had come, right? So you, you had the Flintstones and Rocky and Bullwinkle and then the Jetsons, and you mix a whole bunch of other things in there. And then you get to things like Cow and Chicken and Dexter's Lab. Um, when, when you started pulling um, or working with the people um, to put this show together for Cow and Chicken, you had mentioned you know, one of the guys is your mentor. Um, was there anybody else that you sought out that you were like, I really need to, this guy's a wealth of knowledge or this woman's a wealth of knowledge. Is there anybody you really wanted to work with that you got to work with? You mean for, for Cow and Chicken specifically? For Cow and Chicken or any show that you've actually worked on. Was there anybody you sought out and you just had to have them, you know? Well, I, I, the only thing that comes to mind right now is this with the actors. When I was, when I was um, um, casting the show, the character of Flem. Many actors came in to do Flem, and I, uh, Howard Morris came in, and I was a big Andy Griffith fan. Yeah. And Ernest T. Bass was was one of my favorite all time favorite characters. I don't know if you've ever watched the reruns of the Andy Griffith Show. Yeah. Woman Twenty Five, and Ernest T. Bass was that mountain man guy, and he and so Howard Morris came in and. His voice was my also my childhood. He did a lot of Hannibal Bear cartoons in the sixties. Yeah, yeah like Squidly Diddly. I think he was on multiple cartoons. So he auditioned. Here's this guy in his mid seventies auditioning for the part of an eleven year old boy, and uh, and it was the funniest thing I'd ever heard. And, and so I, I was honored 
and thrilled to be working with Howard Morris. And he was a great guy on top of that. One of the, and also he was one of the pioneers of, of television. He worked with Mel Brooks back in the, in the 40s, like early TV. So it was an honor to work with, with Howard Morris. Did, did you, um, I always like, now if you, if you don't want to talk about it, but I always like asking, you know, not so much personal questions, but what was the best time you ever spent with him? Do you have any cool stories that you could share? With Howard? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, he did some voices, but, you know, usually a lot of you guys would go out and get drinks or you go have dinner or something like yeah. that. Is there anything that you could, you know, talk about with him? Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he said some things that were like, um, almost like kind of sad, really. He was just talking about like, it's, it's as being somebody of his stature who started it in the, you know, he really did start television he was sad that he had to audition over and over and over. Like, like in the sixties, he was, he ended up, he directed more television series than he did voice acting. He was like a big time director. Like he directed episodes of uh, Andy Griffith. And I think he directed episodes of like, like, uh, like uh, Bob Newhart, early Bob Newhart. I mean, he was, he was like, he was a, a, a big time television guy but he, he was just lamenting that he had to like re-audition and people say who are you what have you done yeah. and it was that that part of the hollywood was was sad for him because like uh but I, I should probably remember a better story than that for oh, him. He, was, he was not a belly acre at all he was he was quite quite great you know yeah. no it, it, it's 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 a perfect story i like i said i always like getting just just a little bit from you guys because i want what I'm doing now is essentially what you had with him. You know, I'm, I'm looking up to you. And, and like I said, you know, most people look at it as just another cartoon. And, you know, growing up, I had a pretty easy life. You know, I had a mom. Dad wasn't really in the picture. Dad wasn't in the picture. Not wasn't really wasn't in the picture at all. Um, you know, and I found a lot of comfort in these things, almost like you probably found a lot of comfort in watching him or listening or watching the stuff that he directed, voice acted or whatever he was in, you know? So I like asking you guys stories about your mentors or your heroes or stuff like that, because not only does it make, you know, the whole process really mean something, but it also goes and says that, Hey man, I know where I came from. Hey, I know where I started. Or, hey, I know who I looked up to. And you kind of bring them along or you kind of give thanks. You give them their roses while they're here, you know? And this year has been a complete, absolute shitty year. Uh, 2020, I mean, we've lost so many people that have been influential. I mean, between Kobe and Chadwick and just last week, it was Sean Connery and, you know, Alex Trebek and Eddie Van Halen. It's just been a shitty year. Yeah, um, sure. You know, so to see that you got to, to, to work with somebody that you had high on a pedestal and then he was a good guy. They always say never meet your heroes, right? Yeah. Every hero of mine, with the exception of one, so I'm shooting, you know, one for like, a, or 99 for, you know, 100 type of thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, have all been fucking fantastic people. Okay. I mean, um, you're, you're in that list as well. Like I said, man, I, I had so much comfort watching this stuff. And then when I deployed and I took this stuff overseas with me, you guys got me to not think about missing my wife and my son. You guys were able, as silly as it might sound, for a small fraction of a time, take my head, my brain, and put it somewhere good, put it somewhere I wasn't depressed, put it somewhere where I wasn't sad, right? And I can't thank you guys enough for that. I mean, like I said, it, most people look at it as just a cartoon, man, but this shit was life for me when I was growing up, and it really still is. And now I'm showing these things to my son, and it's funny seeing him 
scratch his head at the same kind of stuff that goes over, that went over my head, sure. but now I'm sitting there and experiencing it with him. Right. So it's fantastic. Um, and like I said, I, I just can't thank you enough for that. You know, I wanted to, you know, kind of ring it in and, you know, start to wrap it up. Cause we are, well, we are getting a little bit close to that time. And I want to keep you too long. I know you got some shit to do, but what were some of your favorite episodes when, when you look back at the two, three seasons that you do with Cow and Chick and the multiple ones you do with I am uh, baboon or I, yeah, I'm sorry. Head is all over the place today. Right. Um, but what were some of your favorite cartoon or favorite episodes of Cow and Chicken? One that comes to mind right now is the Orthodontic Police, and that was based on my experience too, because I had braces as a kid, and there was a lot of pain involved. And I always imagined not only did you have wires, I think I had a like a strap on my head, and I was imagining motors and pulleys. And that's what the impetus of that story was. And then, it, you know, it's, I, I, I liked how it one turned out too. It's ridiculous. There's, there's one. Uh, so I had braces as an adult, so I can completely understand. It was the, I wish I would, one, I wish I would have done it because it would have been a lot cheaper if my mom paid for it when I was like 12, when she offered. But I was like, nah, man, people are going to like me for my personality. They don't give a shit about my mom. <laughs> and you start getting older and then you notice that oh, I'm not smiling in pictures or I just don't even yeah. cover my mouth. Um, then I went and paid for it and it was expensive as hell. So, um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, one of those characters that I love that you guys made was boneless chicken. Yes. Alan chicken's cousin. Um, what was the thought process or how did that one even come up? He's like, let's do a chicken, but he's got no bones. I mean, I mean, that was the first season too. That was really super early on. And I don't, it, to me, the title just suggested itself. Like, cause that's not actual uh, item, a boneless chicken, you order boneless chicken. I thought it'd be funny if that was a character. It was like his uncle. And also to make him as a babysitter too, which is ridiculous because he can't move. So that that's that's how that started. It ends up getting thrown on the roof and that's when Cal gets up on the roof and then she's like, thinks that she's going to die instantly and then immediately goes to thinking she's going to eat her uncle. You know, <laughs> Just to sit there and think, because if you take a look back and you look at the culture in the 90s, and I can't really look at it as far as like a personal... Um, uh, you know, a personal experience from it, but like looking back on it now, right. And sitting there thinking all the crazy shit that went on in my life, um, a boneless uncle watching you isn't really that far from, you know, what really happened in the nineties. I mean, I would have my great aunt, uh, aunt Marianne and my great uncle Bob uh, come down every summer for us. And when we were in uh, all the way up until like fifth grade and he would watch my brother, me and uh, my little sister. And whenever they were in, we didn't get any cartoon time whatsoever, right? We only had one TV in the house and uh, they were hooked on Walker, Texas Ranger in the heat of the night, the Andy Griffith show, Designing Women, all these old school shows. Um, and they would just sit there like they had no bones on the couch, vegging out, you know, so I could kind of equate like, oh man, this is my uncle Bob, but it's a That's chicken funny. he's got no bones. That's uh, funny. Yeah, you know, so what were some of the characters that, that you probably wanted to get in there that you might not have gotten in there or they just pretty much let you do what you wanted to do? Pretty much. I mean, I, there are a lot of stories that didn't get made because to get a story made, you actually had to do like, it was like six to one ratio. Like you come up with six ideas and then they, one would get green light. Okay. Go, we, we like that one. So there's, you know, out of 102 cow and chicken episodes, there's probably 600 ideas. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So like, I, I for the most part, I think everything that I really wanted to get in got in. There wasn't anything like, oh, I wish I, this one would have been done. You know, I was I was pretty happy with what 
what we did. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, like a lot of people like, man, I wish I could have done more. Obviously we want you to do more cow and chicken. That's what we really want. Um, But if say hypothetically speaking, right. Time machine next year comes out. They're like, Hey, we're going to do a cow and chicken. Right. Um, Obviously you're not going to spoil anything, but uh, would you pick up right where they left off or would you want to do that whole flash forward sequence? You mean making making it now? A little bit older, yeah. Like bringing them out. Like they did it with Rocco. They pulled them out and they put them in 2018, I think, is when the last Rocco came in. Yeah, well, I was trying to not put it into a specific time. It wasn't like, you know what I mean? I didn't want it too topical, although I'm sure there's something topical in there. It just happened, you know. But uh, I think that for the most part, there is no time. They're not in a set time. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I got you. So I just didn't know if you wanted to make them older, if you wanted to pick up pretty much right where they left off. I would keep them as, as brother and sister, you know, and uh, 10, uh, 11 and seven, seven years, seven and 11 years old. The cow is supposed to be seven, chicken yeah. is 11. Now, did you pull any of your kids' personalities or any of their little quirks and put them into cow and chicken? Not really, no. 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 Just okay. maybe like, you know, like typical brother, sister, you know, they yeah, pick they at each flash. other, but then they love each other okay so i always like i said i always like asking little questions like that because sometimes you'll either pull like oh that was my personality or uh, uh-huh. it's my little daughter's personality and i put them in there um what was the what was the thought when they saw this they were like holy shit dad's a dad 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 animates dad makes cartoons this is great i mean was it open reception right off the gate or did you have to talk them into it to watching it or are they just, man? No, no, that was just like part of their life. I mean, I was doing it, they're drawing, you know, I was working as an animator their whole life. Yeah. So it was nothing strange, just normal. That's just the way it is. Like all dads have a TV show in, in their mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't a big deal made of it. It wasn't yeah. like, you know, this is different. You know, this is just their life. Did they show that artistic bug when watching you draw and animate and stuff like that? That they want to do what dad did? Uh, not really. My 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 son's funny. He's a funny guy, but never got, got into this line. And my daughter worked in the studio system a little bit. She's a mom right now. Yeah, raising a, a small son. Yeah, yeah, and, um, yeah. yeah they're, they're, she's very creative. Very very yeah. creative. Yeah. It's always it's always interesting to see like which one kind of gravitates towards you or, or your wife or, you know, mm-hmm. in between type of things. So sure. um, last couple questions. Um, when it's all said and done and David Feist is sitting back in his chair 30, 40, 50 years from now, uh, <laughs> you know, you've said everything you've wanted to really say. Um, and you think about the time that you spent since 19 with Cartoon Network and Hanna-Barbera and everything in between, everything that you've done you know, career-wise, as a, as a parent, as a friend, as a brother, as a husband. Um, what are some of the thoughts that, you know, just get brought up whenever you think about the artwork and the animation, the cartoons that you have made that have touched so many lives? I mean, what, what, what gets brought out when you start thinking about what you've done? Well, I mean, I, I go back to Cow and Chicken because it was so international. It's, it's played and it still plays around the world. That the feeling that I was able to create something that has touched people, it means an awful lot to me. Mm-hmm. Like to hear what your story, it, it means a lot. And I appreciate you telling me too. And I'm, and I'm glad I was able to, to make you, give, bring you happiness as a child and as an adult now. Like I've, I've, I've been, I've traveled the world. I went to like, like a conference in Italy, an animation conference, and people know my show in Italy. I've never been to Italy. I go there and people know it. 
it's just a, a really an amazing feeling. I went to South America. I was in Chile. The same thing. People came up. Someone had tear in their, tears in their eyes. I said, you influenced my childhood so much. So that's very satisfying to know that, that I, I did something that's silly, too, that I enjoyed doing, yeah. that was fun to do, that means so much to people all around the world. That's, that's, a, that's an amazing feeling. No, I can only imagine, man. Like you said, man. Us fans are lucky that David is here. We're lucky that David made Cow and Chicken with all the help that you had with the voice acting with Charlie and everybody that you had either helping you write, helping you storyboard, giving you little ideas or, hey, maybe this way. And I mean, we really couldn't get here without all of that. And like I said, we all thank you for what you've done. Um, is there anything, uh, as we're wrapping up here, is there anything that you're working on now that we can kind of try to push traffic towards? You're writing a book, um, you, you try to do a new show. What can we tell people to go? Um, well, I mean, recently, recently, couple last few years, I did a, a children's book mm -hmm. that actually was published. It's called Ernest Hummingbird. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I think there was an app that was made for it, like at the app store. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I'm still writing books too. Yeah. On my spare time, I'm working in the studios. I mean, I work I, I mostly story, do story now for a feature film. I'm working with uh, uh, Illumination. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just look, I, I have ideas that I would love to get to pitch I had, that are sitting on my desktop right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I plan on pitching more and I'd like to get back into television. And if there was an opportunity to, to do cow and chicken again, I would jump at it. Have you thought about now? I'm not sure how rights and all of that work as far as your, your work and everything. Um, but is it possible that you could take cow and chicken and maybe put it on a Kickstarter and let the fans say, Hey man, let's throw some money at this shit and get it made or no. Yeah. To, to do, to get a show on the air, like, like cow and chicken, the rights are owned by was at the time cartoon network, then later became Turner then became Warner brothers. Yeah. So it's actually Warner communications or now AT&T, I guess. Right. So, um, but that's okay. I mean, that was the trade-off was, was well worth it. Mm -hmm. you know, to get the show on the air so yeah i couldn't take the characters and do it myself okay now with with that being said is there um like you hear with movies especially with franchises like let's just say spider-man they got to make a spider-man every so often with sony or it reverts back to marvel um mm -hmm. is that the same with animation like if they don't do anything with it in so long it the rights revert back to you or don't think so. I could be wrong. I have not heard of that one but for cartoons. Now, last question, and I'll let you get back to doing whatever you're going to do today, man. Um, when you sit down, you, you get you came from a really, uh, I don't want to say murderer's row, but it's like a murderer's row of just like all these quote unquote killers with cartoons, right? Like I said, Danny, Jendi. You had John Zeldil with uh, Courage. You know, you had Danny with Ed, Ed and Eddie. And the mind is escaping me as far as Dexter's lab goes. I think that was Gendy. Gendy it was Gindy, Tarkovsky, and then Van Partible for uh, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Bravo. Bravo. Um, if you couldn't pick Cow and Chicken as your favorite from that, from that what a cartoon or that, just like I said, that murderous row of just amazing cartoon after amazing cartoon, what were some of your favorite ones to really watch or listen to or see the storyboard or the art for? Of those of those cartoons? Yeah, just of that. That I think they did forty-eight for what a cartoon or cartoon cartoon. Whenever they brought oh, up those things in there, fifty-two. There were fifty-two that 52. we got. Yeah, 
like a Bills 52. Which one do you think? Yeah, which ones, which ones did you like the most? Or which ones did you just seek out? You had to look at the art. I had to listen to the voice cast. Or I just wanted to absorb. I mean, they're all pretty great. I mean, like 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 design-wise, with like Gindy's uh, show and, and Craig McCracken's show, like they're design-wise, they're like they're brilliant. They're like really fun. And, and you know, these guys were all super young guys when they did it. Yeah. They just came out of college. It was uh uh, pretty amazing, actually, to, to see young people be able to, to do such uh, professional work. Um, you know, in, in Van's show, I liked Van's, uh, he, he, his, his style of animation. He was a big fan of the, uh, the, the Chuck Jones cartoon, uh, the Dover Boys. So all that kind of movement was kind of cool to see. Plus, I like Van. Van and I are, are still friends. And uh, there are a lot of really, really great ones. Like, uh, it's really hard to, to, to pick. I guess design-wise, though, I think I think uh, uh, Powerpuff Girls look to oh, me, you know. Okay. And it's not my style, it, like, but I, I really admire how you know the style that he has. And it's just I like how there was such. We're preaching diversity, which we need to be preaching these days. You know, everybody's got a different take on something, whether what you look like, where you grew up at where you come from, that type of stuff. Everybody's got a story and it's always different than what somebody's going to say, you know? So it was always nice seeing nothing look like a cookie cutter during that Renaissance that you guys were a part of for animation and cartooning. Um, right. Nothing looked the same. Nothing looked identical. Like it kind of does now. And I think we're kind of missing people like you and people like you just mentioned. Um, so I'm hoping one day that we can get you back in here. Um, like I said, I'll do whatever I can. Uh, whoever will listen to me. I don't know if anybody's going to listen to me, but I'll sit there and talk until I can't talk no more to get you guys back in here. And like I said, you guys have still got stuff to say. You still got stuff you want to say. And I guess that's just the process. Um, this has been a fun talk. I know I got you early. Um, so, but I'm glad, like I said, I'm glad you chose to do this. Um, are you a part of social media or anything like that where we can kind of push traffic towards your social media page or anything like that? Not. Oh man, you're already winning at fucking 10 o'clock in the morning. You're not a part of social media. It's fantastic. It's depressing to get on that shit. Um, but nonetheless, man, this has been David Feist. I have been Julian with what's in my head pod. You can follow us over all sorts of social media places that David's not a part of because he doesn't want to be depressed like the rest of us. Thank you again, man. I appreciate it. And thank you for making one of the greatest cartoons of ever of all time. Excuse me. Thank you, Julian. Appreciate it. No problem, David. Have a great day. Stay safe. Take care. Thanks again for checking out the What's In My Head podcast. If you're digging what you're hearing, leave us a five-star rating. That will help other fans of animation and pop culture find the show. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button, tell a friend, and I'll see you guys and gals next week. Good night.